The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, July 17, 2022, on the basis of Luke 9, verses 51 through 62. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. If you've ever signed up for a subscription service, if you've ever made an account on a website, you've no doubt had to go through this minor inconvenience before. Once all the usernames and passwords are set, once all the security questions are answered, there's only one more thing for you to do. You scroll to the bottom of the page and there is a little box for you to click and check, followed by the words, I have read and agree to the terms and conditions. Now maybe you are a thorough person Maybe you are methodical. When you click on those words, the terms and conditions pop up and you find pages and pages of text, conditions and clauses in small print. And maybe you feel like you have the time and energy to go through all of those clauses and conditions. But if you're anything like me, you find yourself admitting defeat, giving up, and clicking agree anyway. In fact, the whole process of clicking agree to the terms and conditions has become such a joke, even to the companies that make us click the boxes that a few years ago, two companies, Apple and Amazon, made headlines for what they put in these terms and conditions as jokes. Apple, in their software iTunes, put a clause that prohibits their software from being used in the construction of nuclear weapons. Amazon, in their terms and conditions for AWS, Amazon Web Services, put in a clause that allows it to be deployed in the event of a zombie apocalypse. If America is ever falling to zombies, you and I are free to use their software as we please. But all jokes aside, the terms and conditions that these companies write up really only serve one purpose, and that is to benefit or to protect the companies that are making these terms. When you are clicking agree, more often than not, you are agreeing to allow your personal data to be resold for profit, or you are waiving your right to sue them or to join a class action lawsuit. And whether that's right or wrong, that's the price you pay for using that website or using that service. If you want to use that website or service, you have to agree to their terms. Today, Jesus lays out his terms for you and for me, the terms and conditions when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to following him. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what you agree to when you follow Jesus. And unlike the companies that would hide their terms and conditions in pages and pages of fine print, Jesus lays it all in the open for you and for me. He makes it clear, following Jesus will be expensive. It will demand everything. But in the end, it will also be worth the cost. Today we find Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. He's on the road. He set his face towards his destination, towards his goal and his mission, but as he and his disciples walk on the road, they come across a Samaritan village, and Jesus sends messengers ahead to see if they will receive him, to give him a place to rest for a while. Instead, the Samaritans reject him, and they send Jesus on his way. The disciples become indignant. They become angry. James and John, in particular, they say to Jesus, do you want us to call down fire on this village for you? They wanted these Samaritans to pay for what they had done to the Messiah. They wanted them to pay for rejecting him. But instead, Jesus rebukes the disciples 
and the savior of the world moves on to the next town, to the next village. And here in this brief episode, we find Jesus' first condition for following him. Following Jesus means that you don't get to pick and choose the savior that we want. Following Jesus means we follow on his terms and not on ours. Right? The disciples wanted fire and brimstone Jesus. They wanted the Jesus who wears the crown, who crushes and defeats the opposition, their enemies, the Samaritans. And maybe that's the Jesus that you and I want, too. Jesus who comes in fiery judgment. Jesus who promises to crush the wicked. The Jesus who tramples his enemies in the winepress of his wrath, whose robes are covered in blood of the wicked. If only God would punish the evil. If only God would destroy the corrupt and the deceptive. If only God would give them a taste of their own medicine, then our world would be a little bit better. Our world would be a little bit more right. And maybe we conveniently choose to forget about the real Jesus for a moment. The Jesus who ate with tax collectors and prostitutes. The Jesus who came not to save those who thought they were righteous, but to save sinners. The Jesus who came to restore, not to destroy. Or maybe you don't want fire and brimstone Jesus. Maybe you want nice Jesus. You want friendly Jesus. You want the Jesus in our picture books. The Jesus who holds the little lamb. The Jesus who sits with little children. The Jesus who is your friend. Who loves everyone and everything. The Jesus who wants us all to just get along and be happy. And maybe we conveniently choose to ignore, to hide the harshness and the hardness of the real Jesus. The Jesus who says, I have not come to bring peace but a sword, the Jesus who promises to come back in fiery judgment, the Jesus who wears the crown, who wears the bloody rope, the Jesus who talks about hell, the outer darkness, full of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is not some lump of clay that you and I get to mold into whatever image that we want. Jesus is not the cafeteria line where we get to pick and choose the parts we like and don't like about him. No, Jesus makes it clear. Following him means that we follow him as who he says he is, not who we want him to be. Following Jesus means we follow on his terms and not on our terms. Jesus continues down the road and he meets a man who is eager, who is excited to join him. He's excited to see where Jesus will take him. But Jesus shuts down this man's optimism with a hard response. He says, you really want to follow me? I have no home. And if you follow me, you should expect the same. You should expect homelessness. Which brings us to Jesus' next condition. If you want to follow Jesus, you should not expect an easy or comfortable life. Jesus gives no promise of security, of stability. Jesus gives no promise of a clean bill of health. Jesus does not promise that all things will go well for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. All Jesus promises you is that life will be difficult. If you follow him, you will walk the same path that he walks. And maybe it's easy to follow Jesus when things are good, but what about when things are not so good? When following Jesus means costing you some social credibility, will you still follow Jesus? Will you still follow Jesus if it means finances get stretched a little bit thinner? Will you follow Jesus if it means that you can't give your children what everyone else gives their children? Will you follow Jesus if it means sacrifices to make him a priority. Jesus didn't pull any punches with this man, and we shouldn't expect Jesus to pull any punches for us. Following Jesus will be
be difficult. Jesus continues down the road, and this time he sees a man, and he calls him to follow him. But the man delays. He hesitates. He says to Jesus, I will follow you, but first let me go and bury my father. It seems like a reasonable excuse, but instead Jesus responds with hard and harsh words. He says those famous words, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And to understand these hard words of Jesus, maybe it helps to look and take a little peek into this man's heart. Right? He wanted to delay following Jesus. He wanted to wait until he was ready, until he had finished his work. Then he would follow Jesus. And maybe that's the same way that we view following Jesus as well. Jesus, I will follow you. I will be fully committed to you, but let me first achieve some stability, some security. Then I'll be ready to follow you. Jesus, I will follow you, but let me first focus on my relationships, on the people in my life. Once all that's set, then I'll follow you. Jesus, I will follow you, but let me first finish these projects I have in my life, all this work that I'm working on. Once I'm done with that, then I can give my full attention to you. But Jesus doesn't say, come when you're ready, come whenever you're able. Jesus says, now. The time to follow is now. The time to proclaim the kingdom of God is now. And this is Jesus' condition if you want to follow him. Following Jesus means following now. Jesus continues down the road and he meets one final man, a final man who is eager to follow him. He says, Jesus, I will follow you, but first let me go home and say goodbye. The man wants to say bye to his family. He wants to say goodbye to his friends. He wants to spend some more time at home. He wants to do the things that he will not be able to do once he is fully committed to following Jesus. And Jesus responds with more hard words. He says, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of service in the kingdom of God. Jesus lays it out clearly for us. If you are going to follow Jesus, he needs to be the priority. Following Jesus means leaving things behind. Following Jesus means that you are all in for following him. We juggle all sorts of things in our lives, right? We wear all sorts of hats. We are fathers and mothers. We are workers. We are parents. We are children. We are friends. And we try to juggle all of these different occupations, all these different vocations. But Jesus makes it clear, even though these are all blessings for us, he calls us to make him the priority. And maybe that sounds a little bit strange. It almost sounds sacrilegious to say that there's anything that would be more important to us than family. It sounds strange to say that there's anything more valuable to us than our children. But that's exactly what Jesus tells us. Following him means that he comes first. He is our priority. Our eyes are on him. No wavering, no swerving, no looking back. Our eyes are set on Jesus. If we are going to follow him, he must come first. Everything else comes in second. And as we look at the terms and conditions that Jesus lays out for us, you might be struck at just how hard Jesus is, just how much Jesus is asking of us. This is not some subscription service that you sign up for. This is not a gym membership that bills you monthly. This is not a social media content creator that you can follow with just a click. In fact, it would be easier if Jesus just asked us for money, if Jesus only asked us for an hour of our time every Sunday, if Jesus simply asked us to follow him 
on social media. Instead, Jesus asks for everything. Jesus demands everything from us. And after we look over the conditions of what Jesus asks from us, we come to the realization that by his standards, we are on the outside looking in. We are people who are not all in. We are people who have divided attention and divided focus. We are people who hesitate, who waver, who look back. We are men and women who have put our hands to the plow and have looked away from the prize. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we don't find our worth in our faithfulness or in our focus. We don't find our worth in our ability to follow. We find our worth in the one whom we are following. We follow Jesus, the man who set his face towards Jerusalem, who was determined and focused on his goal, who went to Jerusalem to suffer and be humiliated by his enemies. He did not hesitate. He did not waver to give up his life on the cross because he was all in for you, because he was determined to make you his own, because he was determined to save you. Here in Jesus, we find the only person to put his hand to the plow and to never look back, all because he loved you. Jesus and his work for us is not conditional. It is not determined by what you and I have done or not done. Jesus never said, I'm happy to save you, but only if you do this, only if you keep this. No, Jesus was driven to do this work. He was driven to be all in for you simply because of his love for you. And it is this love that drives us forward. It is this love that compels us. It is this love that leads us to follow him. In a world where people are obsessed with pouring their time and their energy and their talents into work, things that may or may not last in a world where people are obsessed with relationships, with giving their children everything, even though those things will fade away someday. In a world where we are obsessed with trying to figure out what will happen next, the markets, the economy, the politics. Jesus gives us something that is certain. He gives us a certain destination. He promises that no matter what happens tomorrow, wherever he might lead us, he is leading us towards our final destination. He is leading us towards heaven. And that's what these terms and conditions of following Jesus are really about. They are not for his benefit. They are not to protect him, but they are for us. They are not a burden, but they are a blessing. They are a gift. This is God's grace to you. When we look at what following Jesus really is, it isn't so much us following him as it is him leading us home. That's what following Jesus really means. It means that he is with you. He is guiding you. He is leading you. And by God's grace, you and I will follow him through sorrow and through suffering, through sin and despair, through life and death. We will follow Jesus. We will follow by his grace as he leads us home. Those are Jesus's terms and conditions for you and me. This is God's grace for you and for me as he leads us to our certain destination that awaits. Amen. Amen.